This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Hey, what is up, everyone? Today, I want to bring to you the most downloaded podcast episodes of the Fail Fast Podcast during 2018. The podcast started in May of 2018, and there's 34 episodes launched at the rate of one episode per week. Today, I'm going to give you a countdown of the top most listened podcasts during 2018, and I'm starting at number 10, the countdown. This is the second most influential military entrepreneur in the world, Mr. Stephen Eugene Kuhn. After many years serving his country and building his own empire, the depression settled in and Stephen ended up losing it all. It was crazy, specifically when you realize my book had, my, my, I had a best-selling book in Germany that came out about the Gulf War and I had my MBA and I was a leading uh, business person and I was on TV and then suddenly I'm homeless. I was like, what, what happened? And that's because I wasn't conscious of what was going on. It was right in front of me the whole time. And I was worried about me, 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 me. Well, it's no longer me, 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 me. Stephen has since kicked his depression in the butt. He rebuilt his life. He worked with Mick Jagger, Andrea Bocelli, Olivia Newton-John, and he helped launch an inflatable bag, the lay bag. And in the first two weeks, he got a half a million in sales and ended up, ended up generating over $30 million in sales in the first three months. Never did it before. I told him I never did it before, but not to fear. I will make it happen. Two weeks later, I landed my first deal for half a million dollars uh, with uh, a distributor for Costco and, uh, and Sam's Club and all that kind of stuff. So that was quite, quite the deal. Then we started launching online, and what we did was sort of unique because instead of launching a, 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 like a you know, high-end video, we just did iPhone videos. And if we tested it for a day, it didn't work. We just took it down and put another one up there. And we used our staff, so we didn't have, to, we didn't have any costs. It was literally film it. You know, I filmed it. We put it up. If it worked, good. If it didn't, we moved it. And every time we had problems, uh, people complained or, oh, you can't blow it up. It's all, it's all a farce or whatever. We made another video as an answer. So we communicated with digital pictures, so to say. And that sort of made us take off. And, uh, you know, they made it was ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, we, it's just, I mean, it was just crazy. It was, it was a crazy, crazy time. And off the back of that, we did the same thing, did 10 million um, with another product after that. And we did another, I don't know, five or 10 million after that with another product, all three different, completely different products. Yeah. And there's one of those products that you actually shot the product. Yes. Yes. It was called Trust Bag. Trust Bag. And uh, Trust Bag is a cut slash and stab resistant little drawstring almost like a shoe bag um you know to put your laptop in and stuff and you can lock the top of it so no one can get into it and they can't cut it so they can't pickpocket you it's great for travel and it, and it came about when three friends the three owners were like we need to find something because they were in mexico and they all got pickpocketed from behind with a knife mm -hmm. so they sl sl slit the bag everything fell out the guy took the wallet and they left and didn't even realize it so they came up with this idea, and I had to source the material. The material is, is, is really hard to source because it's uh, special military grade, but I had a source, and then I you know, took care of that business. And um, we were looking for ways to find videos. It went really well. They did some nice videos, and basically it was a guy wearing a white dress shirt, and under that dress shirt was this material. And they took a box cutter and cut a shirt off of him, like really slitting his chest, and of course he didn't get cut. 
And so that was that was a big hit there. And the second one is then we when we took a gun, and when you could film guns and put them on Facebook, you can't anymore. And we shot it, right? Yeah. And we just didn't just said the toughest bag in the world. That's all we wrote. And of course, everyone thought that meant it was um, bulletproof. <laughs> Obviously, it's not bulletproof, you know. But what it did is it created. First of all, that got five million hits in like a day. And second of all, it made. And a viral reaction by people actually taking their AR-15s and machine guns and going out and shooting it and saying, they're lying, it's not bulletproof. So there's, if you go to YouTube now, put in Trust Bag Bulletproof, you'll find all kinds of videos about people shooting at it. It's hilarious. Well, don't go to YouTube yet. I'll put the link to that on the show notes. Steven represents about 16 other products, and he does consulting with veterans. I'm a consultant, so I help people turn their business around or I help people start their businesses, or I do deals like that. So I have right now, I have about 16 or 17 products that I represent, and I only represent veterans right now. I'll, I'll do other ones, okay. but I'm working, focusing on the veterans uh, uh, tribe right now. As you said, I'm a veteran influencer, uh, military veteran entrepreneur influencer, and I'm quite successful in that area as well. We have a military and, and um, military and veterans products group. And we pitch all of the products with the story of the veteran, you know, a little picture of them and that kind of stuff. So it just creates a whole different dynamic for the purchaser or the buyers. And, and that's going that's going pretty well. Yeah. Now, a funny but exciting story is that Stephen was reborn once in a fantastic trip to Peru. And now he has an undying love for his mother. When you're there, do you, do you ever experience one of those feelings that you cannot explain? Something yeah. that you just feel? Yes. Yes, yes, all the time when you're there. I, mean, I, I there's a there's a ritual we do. We do a, a Pachamama ritual, which is um, Mother Earth ritual, um, and then you go after the ritual. You're giving back to Mother Earth. You go to the Pachamama or the Mother Earth birth canal, and it's two cliffs that you walk between, and they get tighter at the end. And at the very end, you have to climb out, and it is a mother to get out of there. I mean, it's really a lot of work to get out of there. So it's like being born again through Mother Earth. That's why they call it the birth canal. And what you do when you're walking down this birth canal is you give thanks to your mother, to Mother Earth, to all mothers. And I'm like, okay, this is cool, whatever, you know, walking down there. And I climbed out of this thing and I got to the top and I popped out, <laughs> you know, of the birth canal. And I, st I stood there for a second and I took a breath and I lost it. I completely started just whining and crying and I felt so thankful and it was just incredible. And, and yeah, it's one of those moments where you're like, I have no idea where it came from, but I have this un, undying love for my mother like never before since then. All right, let's keep going through the list. At number nine on our list, we have an episode number 19 with Selena Knight. Selena's story is fantastic. It's like something out of a movie. She is the living proof that anything is possible with the right mindset. Selena was abandoned by her own mom and was homeless at the age of 14. Yes, 14 years old, homeless. Listen to this. Now I look back, my mother was suffering depression. She was an alcoholic and I don't know, she had a whole bunch of stuff going on in her life that still to this day, I only know bits and pieces of. But she had four kids to three different dads. So, you know, that in itself shows that <laughs> there was obviously some problems there. and. Potentially the people that she um, had children with weren't necessarily the best influence on her life. Um, for example, my stepdad is gay and they literally got married because they did love each other and this was back in the 80s and he really, really wanted a family. 
And back then that was the only way. And he still says to this day, I loved your mum. Like that's not, that's not, you know, that's not up for question. But, you know, the people she was attracted to, I guess, were not necessarily the best people for her. And when I was 14, um, so I had an older brother and I have an older brother and two younger siblings. And she was a single mum then at that point, they'd split up. My dad was living in his car so that he could, you know, help with the, the finances. And I guess she just broke. I don't know. I've, I've tried to have the conversation with her and she's very much a victim. So it's always everybody else's fault, which I really struggle with because I believe you can make your own life. Like the, you are the only person who gets to say what happens in your life. So I really struggle, <clears throat> excuse me, with that concept of it was everybody else's fault that this happened. And so when I was 14, she said, I, you know, I can't, I can't have you anymore. And so I didn't actually have anywhere to go at that point. We were living in a different state. My dad was living in his car. Um, my grandmother had, you know, had, was not in a position to be looking after me who, who lived nearby. My aunts and uncles were all not, you know, they weren't fit, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. So there was this kind of state of limbo where I, I stayed with a friend for a couple of weeks until my dad could arrange for his elderly parents in a different state to take me in. But that no-blame mentality has taken her very far since then. And today, she's a multi-award winning businesswoman who has built a hugely successful chain of retail stores. And she helps other businesses get their products on retail shelves. One of the things I'm going to tell you is that in order to get your products into stores, you need to have a gallery of images and your, your retailers are going to want everything from 400 by 400, 1200 by 1200, full to all the way through to print ready, high, um, high res images if they want to use that for point of sale. The amount of golden nuggets delivered in this episode were endless. In all my years of business, I have over a decade in retail. And in that time, not only did I have online and offline, but I also created our own product ranges. So I feel like I've got some insight here as to what the retailer is looking for, but also what you need to do as a wholesaler in order to get your product on the shelf. So here's the the things that you need to think of. And Quinn, I'll put all this into a download for you. So people are listening, they don't have to take any notes. I'll put it all in a download for you. First of all, your product has to suit their ideal customer. So you need to look, you know, this is the biggest thing that I see. The biggest mistake is you go and outsource someone to give you a list of people that you can approach, but you don't even look at their website and you really are going to piss them off if you ring up. So I had an eco-friendly baby store and we would get people ringing up with disposable products. I'd be like, you didn't even look at what we sell. And that just, you've turned me off straight away. So think about who they're selling to and does your product actually suit their customer? Because they're going to ask you that question and maybe you've got something a little bit quirky, a little bit different, but you need to know or you need to tell them why this product would work for their customer. That was Selena Knight, episode number 19. Now pay attention. We're moving along to episode 21. This is number eight on the list. We're going down, and this is Brian Burke. Brian is the founder and CEO of the biggest, most trusted Apple trade-in company, 
SellYourMac.com. Brian deals only with Apple products. His company buys and sells quality used computers and iPhones and anything that is related to Apple and Mac. As an Apple lover, Brian actually bought Apple stock in 2002. Yes, 2002 Apple stock was at $2 per share and he still has them. He loves learning and because of that, he's a sommelier, he's a scuba diver, an ordained minister, and a certified Mac technician. Kind of, kind of combining the ordained minister uh, with the wine uh, sommelier um, and the scuba diving, I was, I was telling people I could marry you underwater and pair the wines for your wedding. <laughs> you know what? That, there, <laughs> there could be a business in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we can have Macs and iPads at every table, whatever the people want. Brian's business started growing so fast that by the time he paid out $20 million to his 100,000 customers, Sell Your Mac was moving to a third warehouse, and today, even that warehouse is starting to feel small already. It was a little bit stressful at the time, but I made a couple of phone calls, and I found a guy that had a 2,000-square-foot space that we moved into in those two weeks. And you know that, that lasted us for another couple of years, but all of a sudden we were bursting at the seams again. So now we're back on the path looking for a new space. And we found our current location here in Blue Ash, Ohio. And right now we have about 8,000 square feet. And at the end of our initial lease, we had you know, virtually filled it up to the brim. And at this point, we're actually upgrading our warehouse with much bigger racking solutions and a forklift and some other ways to get more, get more use out of it. But it's like the constant feeling that we never have enough space to operate as efficiently and effectively as we possibly could. Now, besides growing so fast and being super busy, Brian also finds time to spread the love through his community by donating computers to students and his time in order to put 250 kids through summer camp. I'm trying to give more technology away these days. I think that is one of the greatest tools to help people. And I was privileged to have technology growing up to be able to, you know, be on the internet and, you know, find out more information and, you know, be a lifelong learner. And without having a, a laptop or access to internet, I feel like that's just a huge disadvantage to someone. So I want to make sure that these uh, students have the tools that they're going to need to reach their dreams. And then the other ones, professional leadership network, that is a group associated with the uh, Boy Scouts and the Dan Beard Council. And we have one major event every year. We raise a ton of money to send off kids to summer camp that couldn't afford it otherwise. So this recent year, we raised about $67,000. And that sends about 250 kids to camp for a few weeks. And that was episode 21 with Brian Burke, the founder and CEO of SellYourMac.com. Now we're going to move along to position number seven. I have episode number six with Reza Rez. Reza, besides having one of the coolest names I know, is also the co-founder of Mindset Performance Training. Reza has been in business for over two decades and he started very early. So at 16 years old, I, I took his truck, I filled it up with a bunch of tools. I started a company called Top Notch Landscaping, my entrepreneurial spirit. And I went out there and I grabbed a couple of workers. You heard him starting a business at the age of 16 and he called it 
top-notch. Now, what isn't top-notch is people. And if you think people would not take advantage of a 16-year-old, think again. And the first time I did this, um, I grabbed one gentleman. And we went out there, and, and the job was to drop him off and then drop the next guy off and kind of just oversee the job and, and be this entrepreneurial, you know, and, and uh, figure out how to kind of manage people. And this guy was probably easily twice my age. And we went to the different jobs. And by the end of the day, this guy's like, hey, you know, we had a good day today. Um, I owed him like, I don't know, like 50, 60 bucks at the end of the day. And he said, you know, we had a good day today, but we can work a lot faster and get a lot more done if you had a gas-powered blower as opposed to an electric blower, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, I'll pick one up tomorrow and we'll get to work tomorrow again. So well, I got a guy. I got a guy and he can get it. It's about 200 bucks, but he's at the top of the line. They're gas-powered. They're going to last you forever. And, you know, if you want, we can go and grab one after work today. I was like, sure, right? Naive, 16 years old. I barely know how to wipe my own ass, right? Yeah. And so we go to this apartment complex. And he's like, yeah, stop right here. I can go in real quick and grab it for you. And you already know where this is going, right? Oh. Uh, so, ah. so I gave him 200 bucks cash. Um, on top of, you know, after he got done, he told me, can I get my cash now for the, mm -hmm. for the day? So I paid him his 50 bucks and the $200. He runs inside the apartment complex. Five minutes goes by. 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by, and I can't do anything because I got my dad's truck, the back of it's filled up with all these tools, so I can't leave this or else you know, I don't know what's going to yeah. happen there. And you know, needless to say, 30 minutes later, the guy was long gone. He took my 200 bucks, and that was my first lesson in welcome to entrepreneurialism. But that was a long time ago, and since then, Reza has started several businesses one of the last ones that generated over eight figures per year within the first two years of launching. But Reza wasn't happy and he needed something more. You know, after having a company about 60, 80 plus employees, we're doing six figures in payroll every couple of weeks, you know, a lot of movement in the company. I, I thought to myself, I'm not happy doing this. Right? It's a lot of movement. I'm busting my butt eight, 10, 12 hours a day. I'm working around the clock. I'm worried about not 60 to 80 individuals, but they have families and, and we have to support them. And at the end of the day, there's questions and issues that come up with all that. So I sat there one day in my office. I, I distinctly remember when it was. And I sat there and it was just one after another, just knocking on my door. Like, this is the problem. What, what can we do? This is the problem. What can we do? And I thought to myself, I'm not happy doing this, right? Like it's, it's, I dread coming to work as much as I love doing what I did with, with people and humans the work was very draining. So I said, you know, if I wake up tomorrow morning and what would it take for me to wake up and just do the happy dance every single day, right? What would I be excited to The same thing that you just you touched on Quinn, which is, you know, if you're doing something that you love, you wake up and you jump out of bed. You don't need coffee. You don't need five hour energy. You don't need all these different, you're excited doing it. So what would I love to do if I can wake up tomorrow and do absolutely anything? And I kind of thought to myself, I love developing people. I love developing processes. Um, I love developing businesses, especially if I can help a business get to a level or individuals get to a level where they, they never knew they even existed. Mm -hmm. So naturally what I did is I thought to myself, I've been in business for 20 years. Um, it comes down to either a product or a service. I don't care what you do, it comes down to a product or a service. So I figured yeah. I'm gonna get into business consulting. And he did. This is when Reza started the mindset performance training, which he gives a glimpse to you 
for free under mindsetperformancetraining.com forward slash fail fast. There's some people still not on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're not on Facebook, we set up a unique link for your, your people to be able to get that training and it's absolutely free. Um, and if they go to, I think the, the URL we set up is just go to mindsetperformancetraining.com forward slash fail fast, all one word, fail fast. And then we'll take them to that training, sign up for it, and they'll, they'll understand what mindset really is aside from all this hoopla and this abstract talk. And I think it'll benefit them. Now let's move up the list to position number six with Tom Sylvester. Tom's a fellow podcaster. He's a computer scientist and a business coach. After college, Tom set a goal to retire by the age of 35. But he had no idea how. So like any other entrepreneur, he tried lots of things. He tried MLM, real estate, stock market, until one day, driving home from work, he heard an ad on the radio. Basically, I was driving home from work one day just thinking, like, I'm never going to make this happen. And I heard an ad on the radio that basically said, like, you know, looking to get out of your job, looking to build wealth. We've got this free two-hour real estate training seminar. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I need. And so I went home, signed up for the two-hour sem two seminar. And basically, you get there, and they hype you up, and then they sell you a $500 three-day course. So I bought the three-day course, went to that, and learned a lot in the three-day course. And at the end of it, they sell you like these really expensive packages. So my cousin and I were there and I was like, you know, I'm not, we, we don't have $15,000 that they wanted us to invest. I'm like, we'll just go figure this out on our own. And then I was, as I was getting ready to walk out of there, I'm like, you know, if I don't make this happen, like it's never going to happen. And so my cousin and I convinced ourselves to buy this $15,000 real estate training uh, I actually had to put it on two credit cards because I didn't even have, I didn't have money for it one, but I didn't even have one credit card that had that much space available on it. And, um, so <laughs> invested in this training, uh, didn't tell my wife, it was about nine months before we were getting married. And, uh, I, I kind of got home after that. And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> now, if you're in any kind of relationship, you know, that's not going to end up well. But as I believe that Everything happens to us and everything happens for a reason. That may have been what helped Tom. So you can imagine that, you know, one, if you're listening to this, don't do that. <laughs> but, um, but two, what that forced for us was that we really had to sit down and have some tough conversations. And those conversations ended up being a blessing in disguise because we had to say like, you know, what are you thinking? Why would you spend all that money and why wouldn't you talk to me? And what I realized when we had some of these conversations was I kept telling her what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to start a business. I wanted to invest in real estate. But what I didn't tell her was why I wanted to do it. And through our conversations that came out. And my big why for her was I wanted to build a better life for ourselves. And I knew that wasn't going to happen by working a traditional job. And once we got aligned on that and she understood why, then we could start talking about, okay, what are our common goals? What does our life look like? And what do we want it to be in the future? And then now how we can talk about how do we make it happen? And once we did that, I mean, there were still a lot of challenges along the way, but at least being aligned made doing all the business stuff so much easier. So Tom had bought a $15,000 real estate investing course with money he didn't have and without telling his wife. After a long talk, they ended up discussing their whys 
and they teamed up. Since then, they have bought several investment properties together, a wine and liquor store, they started their own podcast, and a fantastic consulting business. We actually bought like these four real estate trainings. I went to the first one and it like wasn't valuable at all. And the other three were in like other cities. So I would have had to spend like thousands of dollars more to go. So I ended up not going to them. And I said, you know what? I have enough knowledge myself. And about two months later, we went and bought our first duplex. And then basically we ended up buying a handful of properties um, every couple of years for about the last 10 years. Uh, mostly we end up holding the properties we have. So we end up going with, um, duplexes, fourplexes, some commercial, and, uh, we end up, we sell some along the way. So like we flip some houses, um, but we had that business for about 10 years. And then, uh, a couple of years later, I kind of got the itch. I'm like, all right, we got to do something else. So I ended up starting our second business, which was actually a wine and liquor store. Fast forward, we now have three businesses, and our third one is actually working with other entrepreneurs, specifically entrepreneurs with families, to help them really build the life that they want. And, you know, the biggest thing that we found that most people don't do that would help them be successful is to really think about the future, right? People have heard about like creating a vision board or defining their why. And some people just brush it off, but it's so important to think about where do you want to be in the future and then make sure that all the steps that you take are in the direction of that. When asked to drop some advice to my audience, Tom left one of the best explanations for the meaning of fail fast. Have a listen. Yeah, well, so given that we're on the the fail fast podcast, um, failure is a part of the journey and you're going to fail probably more times than you think. But the, the reason I love the name of this podcast is because failures are only a problem when they happen infrequently. And when you try to avoid failure, what tends to happen is everything stacks up and it ends up becoming a big failure that like drags you apart. So what you want to do instead is you want to focus on having small failures all the time. Right. So if we go back to that GPS analogy, if you're like not checking in and then you check in two hours later and you realize you missed a turn, now you got to do this like huge correction to get back on track. But if you're checking in, let's say every five minutes, when you realize that you missed a turn, now it's only a small course correction. And that's what failures are. And that's exactly what failing is. These were from number 10 to 6 of the top 10 most listened. Next episode, I'm going to have the other five. Five, four, three, two, and the very first one. So stay tuned. The episode is coming in a few days. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and leave us an amazing review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, wherever it is that you are listening to this. Thank you very much, and I see you in a couple days. Thanks for subscribing to FailFast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit FailFastPodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.